Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rudeutschen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. On today's show, I'm talking to Lulu Kennedy, one of the most influential people in British fashion. As the founder of Fashion East, the non-profit initiative she launched in 2000 to nurture young British design talent, she has helped launch the careers of a massive roster of designers, including Gareth Pugh, J.W. Anderson and Simone Rocha. She is as much a part of London's vibrant creative scene as her protégés, and her eye for spotting up-and-coming talent is second to none. Hi, Lulu Kennedy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you today? I am very Friday-ish. How are you? Also very Friday-ish and very spring, full of the joys of spring because it's just such nice weather. Finally. How's your day been? Today I've been Galinda in a shoot in full fancy dress on the street with lots of people staring at me and I've done a big pitch for sponsorship for Fashion East. Fashion East, you launched that in 2000? Yes, 17 years ago. And 18 years ago. Just for people who don't know, it might be good to explain what it is, what it does. Fashion East is essentially a project which is owned by the old Truman Brewery on Brick Lane over in East London and it's a philanthropical project that makes no profit whatsoever that looks after young fashion designers in that period when they're sort of coming out of college maybe and setting up a brand. So in the very early stages. So yeah, we work with usually three women's wear and three men's wear per season. And we select them and mentor them. And it's amazing. Like When I think of London fashion, that's kind of, you know, you just think of like young London fashion. You think of Central St. Martins. Hmm. Um, and then Fashion East is so much a part of that. Um, and so just the kind of the alumni that have come out there is just so amazing. I was looking on the website at mm. the people that that you've that you've kind of created that you've made in a way. It's so amazing from J.W. Anderson, Liam Hodges, um, and all on the women's wear side. You know everyone from like Jonathan Saunders, Marcus Amida, mm. Roxanda, Simone Rocha. Yeah, I mean that's quite amazing. Do you look at it and think, yeah? I do. I'm very, very, very pleased to have been doing a project that I love for all these years and working with these fantastic people you just mentioned. I mean, now and again I get upset because not all of them as brands are still going, but that's, you know, that's the name of the game, I guess. You're dealing with young brands that aren't always going to make it and are now doing brilliant other things instead, so that's fine. But, yeah, I mean, I'm always kind of frustrated with it, to be really honest. I'd like to be doing ten times more, I feel, we're... um, always punching above our weight in a way but then always just you know we're running on empty sort of thing so yeah it should be much bigger a thing maybe by now after all these years but you know what it's it does what it says on the tin it's um have you ever thought about selling out (laughs) not selling out i hope you don't sell out more i was going to say have you ever thought about have you ever thought about taking it international doing something similar in another fashion center like Hong Kong or New York 
Yeah, I mean, we have gone on tour and we have done, you know, Shanghai, Moscow. We have been invited to do kind of roll out the project, but never with the right partner. So, no, we haven't we haven't gone down the sellout route. <laughs> I hope you don't ever go no, down the sellout route. No, I think we won't. Route. I don't think we will. Um, and, then, and this is where we talk about things that you love or that inspire you. Hmm. So what was the first thing that you wanted to bring? Well, when I thought about the first thing, I just went with the first thing that came in my head, which was Naples, um, the city in Italy, southern Italy. Um, I lived there. I went there on a study programme at university and was supposed to stay there one semester, three months in spring. And I stayed over three years because I fell in love with the place. I really definitely left my heart in Naples, Napoli. Um, and I've never found a city again quite like it. What is it about Naples that you love so much? It just has the most overwhelmingly brilliant beat to it, is the only way I can explain, like an energy, and that's like... You find it sort of essentially in the language... I mean, maybe it's the fact, geographically, that it's sitting at the foot of an active volcano. I mean, that's kind of going to give you an extra sort of edge, maybe, to your day. You, you know, wherever you look, you're looking up at this backdrop of Vesuvius and... Um, you know, also you're powered on probably 10 cups of really good espresso a day. So there's definitely a very frenetic beat, and I found that very, very addictive. And the language, the dialect, I went there not speaking Italian, and um, after six months I was sort of trying to chat, and I realised that I was chatting in a sort of mishmash dialect and slang and bits and bobs I picked up, and people were sort of fascinated by this hybrid thing coming out my mouth. <laughs> and it is, it's a really good dialect because it bears no, almost no resemblance to Italian. Do you still go back? No, my New Year's Eve resolution this year was to... The one thing I want to achieve this year is go back to Naples. Was this in the 90s? It was. So it's kind of part of that whole rave scene that was happening then because it wasn't that quite yes. a big part of that whole scene. Yes. As were I, you, I think. I ended up, yeah, running raves out there with a, a collective and... Yeah, I worked in art galleries. I did study and managed to get my degree at the same time, but a big part of what I did would be... Well, the degree know, wasn't in Naples, it was... Yeah, I transferred out to... Um, what yeah. did you study? Uh, cultural studies, yeah. So cultural studies by day, rave, putting on raves by night. Yeah, and I was taught by fantastic teachers that publish, you know, postmodernism, and I got really, really into all of that and just had them time of my life I mean yeah I really recommend sort of going somewhere for three months and not coming back for three years see what happens it was life-changing and that city is just something else I mean yeah it's actually off its head yeah I mean they have this miracle every year when the saint's blood liquefies in the cathedral San Gennaro wow. I mean it's nuts <laughs> did you go to that event yeah do you think that you quite like... Is there something... I mean, I might be clutching at straws here, but is there something... Like, I, is, are you sort of drawn to the theatre of that? Uh, and of, I guess, like, the vibrancy yeah. of it? And is that similar to what you do with Fashion Youth, where you're... You know, it there's, feels there's very live, yeah, definitely. There's a live element to, you know, the way people talk. It's like singing and it's theatrical and you think they're going mad and they're actually just taking the piss. They're really, 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 you know, a great sense of humour, I suppose, drew me in. And also it's just beautiful on the eye. You know, it's this decaying kind of once great kingdom on the sea in a hot shape, you know, bay. And it's just, there's Vesuvius, it's just nuts. There's Pompeii, there's the catacombs, there's, you know, the oracle of Sybil. 
It's all there. Go there. <laughs> and I know you also spent some time in Ibiza. As a kid, yeah, my parents kind of packed up everything and... So you I know, think you were, you were born in Newcastle. I was, yeah. And then you went down to, was it Devon? Devon, um, Bristol. How old were you when, when you went moved to Ibiza then? I think I was four. I think it was, yeah, it was when I would have been starting school. So we went for the summer season with the aim of, you know, emigrating there, moving there. And my parents kind of ran out of money and we had to move back. What did your parents do? They made jewellery and sold it in the market. And I used to wear it all. Like a little mascot covered in homemade bead jewellery. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was kind of a shock to my system coming back to the UK and doing school after all that freedom and sun. Yeah, so Ibiza is somewhere I go back to. Mm. It's one of those places, isn't it? One of those places. Mm. What is your second thing that you wanted to bring to your cabinet? My next thing I've um, kind of thought of was chilies. Chilies. Chilies, the red, hot, or yeah. green, hot, spicy <laughs> yeah. things. Red hot chili peppers, not I don't, When you said that, I thought of the emoji straight away on my Did phone. Did you? I, I thought you might have... use that when I want yeah. to say something. It's good, like, isn't it? Scorchio, yeah. Oh, I thought you might have thought red hot chili peppers. Oh, well, who as well. I met and who are lovely, especially oh, Flea. Really? Flea? Yeah, Flea's lovely. <sighs> but yeah, I think I started eating them young with my grandfather. He was Hungarian and used to dump a load of paprika, garlic, spice in everything he cooked he was a great cook um and I got a taste for it and then in my travels abroad and especially Mexico I got really into smoked chili chipotles mm. whereas my grandfather was paprika and yeah I just got super super into them and again it's like an addiction almost everything I eat sometimes even if I'm like chopping up a mango I'll put some like salt and chili on it I have to have it with me I actually haven't got some in my bag today which is making me feel anxious you add it to your food I take yeah I take it (laughs) round with me (laughs) (laughs) I just think because before we started this podcast you said that you had a pret-a-manger sandwich so I was imagining you like sprinkling some chili on your yeah I do I carry my own little bottle of the green um tabasco (laughs) you know the one the habanero one (laughs) so strong um, yeah, absolutely love that. Like some of my local restaurants actually just have some chili for me for when I come in because <laughs> I'm that. quite specific. Mm. I don't know. It's very good for you. I mean, it kickstarts your metabolism. It's full of like insane amounts of like antioxidants, vitamins. Like there is a a health reason to do it, but also it's just that kick. It's just the insanity of like your mouth's on fire. It gives you a high, you feel alive, you're like, you're back in the room, you stop worrying about whatever was annoying or worrying you, and you're suddenly focused, you know, on this, like, inferno in your gob. (laughs) What was it like when you first started Fashion East? Because I think, really, it's all about you and you, like, you're very modest, and you said how um, it's, you know, owned by the old Truman Brewery, but... I think, you know, it's so much about you and I'd love it if you'd share that story of how you actually started, how Fashion East sort of came into being and the roots of it. So I was working in an art gallery on Brick Lane and a guy comes in and we get chatting and he's like, oh, you're nice, you're fun, do you want a job? And I said, yeah, because I'm only working here two days a week and I've got no money, I've just moved back from Naples. He's like, great, start Monday. And I didn't even ask him really what to do, he just said we've bought this this building that you're standing in and another 11 acres and it used to be an old brewery and it's, you know, what are we going to do with it? I said, yeah, great. And I started on Monday and the boss looked at me and he said, no, you've, that's the wrong one. And 
so this guy had employed the wrong person so I was there by mistake and um, <laughs> I thought it was quite funny but and I, I actually had a really shit day like answering the phones making coffees going out to buy them all ciggies and I just thought this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be I might not come back tomorrow this was like whatever um, but they didn't pay me till the end of the week so I did go back the next day because I wanted my wages at the end of the week and I'm there 20 years later so yeah Is the idea any- was that they they wanted to kind of you know rent out all the spaces and that's what I used to do um you rented the spaces out to designers yeah just the local communities so it would be anyone from in the early days there were like drum and bass DJs and artists that had been in the East End for a long time and you know really anyone and everyone what is it about you that's able to persuade people to do can I yeah well I don't know there must be you must have a very good way with people to persuade them to come and rent that space or be part of what you're doing I mean we did an open day and we made the prices really cheap and I gave them drinks and DJ'd and they all signed. And I said, look, look what fun this is going to be your neighbour. It was that thing of, like, here's a, a ready-made community. It's like if ten friends all, you know, get studios next to each other, then that's pretty rare and then that's kind of fun. And Is there a story about keys? Oh, my God, the brain of my <laughs> life. So the landlord, he just acquired this 11-acre site with 10 different buildings and various rooms and whatever. And on the first day, or maybe more like the second day, sorry, he gave me a bag, just like a grubby carrier bag full of unlabeled keys and a site plan. <laughs> and he went, off you go, try and find what key goes and what door. So actually, I just felt like I was in some mad fairy tale, sort of in all these dark corridors with no tenants. It was so spooky that maybe be like how a mouse rooms, or how many rooms a spider. Is there in that building? Like thousands. It's enormous, yes. isn't it? Yeah. How it long did it take? Ten different buildings. It so you went to every room and tried every key. Yeah, in ten different buildings and tried to label them and find where they were on the how map. Long, and how long did that take? I don't know, weeks. But okay. I eventually found this lovely spiral staircase and came up out of this very dingy kind of corridor with no natural light into this most beautiful attic which is now my office and I just fell in love with it and it had this huge vaulted ceiling and it was the old marketing department for when it was Truman Beers so there were like beer bottles, labels, bottle tops you know all the old branding and signage just sort of scattered around as if someone had just that minute left the room it was very eerie but also I was like this needs to be my office one day because I was actually in a broom cupboard I'm not joking an actual broom cupboard an actual broom cupboard which I painted Tiffany blue to try and make it nice and I had a landline phone and no (laughs) computer and that was my boss who was just like get on with it (laughs) (laughs) I love it he's made me what I am (laughs) what's your third item Uh, I'm a hmm, this is going to sound silly but I'm a real firm believer in naps like daytime naps I think they really are underrated and I got into them as a kid, um, and I've never looked back, and living in Italy, everyone, they're enforced. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so you have your lunch and you have a nap. It's, like, genius. It's, like, everyone should do it. And what you do is you have a coffee before you have your nap, and then by the time it's worked through your digestion in half an hour, you wake up, bang, and you're, you know, off you go again on your caffeine. So it's actually really, like, brilliant how they do it there. What's, and then the te- the- what's a good technique for napping? Because I've never been able to do it myself. Is there... Something that you do to get yourself in the zone. We used to listen to the orb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your old club classics, but kind of like slowed down. And what's the optimum length? Because you don't want to go into like a deep sleep, hour. right? Half an hour's gorgeous. Mm. You wake up really fresh. I know so someone who gets into pyjamas for their nap. Is that no. Any, any old 
place. That's the great thing about them. It's such a gorgeous little sort of decadent treat that you can just give yourself. It's free. It's like sex. It's free. Just do yeah. it. In Mexico, everyone like jumps in a hammock and has little... It's brilliant. I'm also quite good at, in the middle of, if I'm throwing a dinner party or a drinks party and I get a bit overwhelmed, I might just have a little nap on the sofa and let the party carry on around me. And then you wake up and it's like, oh, I feel great again. Off we go. <laughs> That's my party trick. I sleep in the middle of a busy room. You can fall, and can you fall asleep anywhere? Pretty good, yeah. Wow. Do you think it's about practice? Yeah, it's just letting it. go. It's like, it can all wait. You know, stop being so productive. Be lazy. Isn't it gorgeous? Get into it. Such good advice. Oh, I, I think so. I think we're all far too busy and productive. What are your thoughts on social media? On that I note? Mean, you know, love-hate. Not really that into it. Much more into seeing people in real life. Do you talk, as part of, when you know at Fashion East, as part of the programme when you're helping these young designers get themselves off the ground, mm. is that part of the thing you're teaching them? Is there some sort of... Do you include social media in that as part of their marketing? Or We do, yeah. We do talk to them a lot about their, their channels. And sometimes I, I text them in the night going, you need to delete that post. You know, your stockists are following you. What really... kind of thing is well, bad? I know, just, just when they've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> What's going too when far? When you know already that they're going to regret it the next day, so you just tip them off the night before and say, just delete that. <laughs> As part of that, because it does feel like we're living through a moment of change in the fashion industry. Um, obviously, with you know magazine publishers mm. sort of dying, and um, even like all, all these revelations around me, too, you know, photographers and the whole Me Too, Times Up movement, even things like moving into seasonless fashion, mm. um, and that whole discussion around including being more inclusive in fashion and you know more diversity mm. around sizing gender race and so on mm. um i just wondered what your thoughts are about all that and is that something that you take into consideration when you're choosing people that you're going to help i think like all of that stuff has just come very naturally to us over the years like it's stuff that's second nature that we haven't really stopped to think about and it feels like yeah like just very natural and almost like it's quite entertaining to watch everyone scrabble to kind of catch up yeah. it's sort of yeah and the bullshit and the, the levels of like inauthenticity are like quite hilarious <laughs> yeah it feels very sort of faddy at the moment do you think it will pass them no I think it's got to just become normal which is great I mean it's just long overdue is what I'm saying I mean we're all for it you know like at any given time I can look at the designers we're working with, the team they're working with, the models they're casting, you know, everything right through, I guess, filtering right through. And it, it all just feels very cohesive to me in that it is mega-inclusive and, yeah. I read a really nice piece that you wrote um, for Time Out, weirdly, when I was researching you online about Louise Wilson. Oh. The late, great Louise Wilson from Central St Martins. Um, and you were speaking so highly of her. And I was just wondering who else you're in real life heroes are hmm well they I mean you know sorry to be morbid and to bring up but, but you know Judy who's now joined Louise Wilson Judy Blame um, who's no longer with us was a huge hero for everyone not, not only myself but and his passing has only actually really just galvanised that in everyone's mind as just how much of a hero he was and yeah making something out of nothing and being fabulous and 
hugely inspiring. You know, Judy could say more by saying nothing than anyone else I know. It was there was something so theatrical and expressive and magical and his choice of words and yeah, just very exacting. Um very direct. Really knew what he wanted to do and executed it, you know, fantastically. Do you think there's something what is it you, what is it about British style, stylists, designers, teachers like Louise mm. that's that makes them that gives them that edge? Whether it's, you know, Judy Blame doing um Nina Cherry, Buffalo mm. Girls, um, whether it's um Louise Wilson being able to cherry pick those amazing nurture that amazing talent coming out of Central St Martins. Mm. It just seems that there's a certain Britishness to all that, yeah. do you think? Well, they definitely, those two anyway, shared that attitude of just, like, absolute honesty, like, inability to lie and, you know, fake it. So that's something that I really learned. And just having the balls, really, you know, like, I definitely learned a lot from Louise as a mentor and was inspired by Judy just by watching him and being around him, how he operated. Yeah, there was just uh, a lack of conformity and, uh, yeah immediacy to their communication I mean were you ever on the end of Louise's I have been she'd come up to me after a show sometimes and be like fucking you know like sorry my language but like just go into one and she was always right so, that so she'd tell me off and then the, occasionally she'd just say that was fucking brilliant <laughs> and you'd go away just like walking on air for like weeks and what about your next thing for cabinet well um, it's got to be my Jeep, which is just broken. I've just actually fixed it up after two years of having it in the Truman car park, kind of dead. So I kind of resurrected it for Easter. Drove it around <laughs> for a week and it's died again. Very, very apt, Oh, yeah. my God, it's so old, though. It's, like... Uh, how what colour? It's black, with blacked-out windows. It's a really old Jeep Wrangler that I bought. <laughs> well, I said to my ex-husband, can I have a divorce present then? So we got divorced online. It was, like, really cheap and funny. And um, this, like, divorce.com or whatever. And wow. I said, I think I deserve a present. He was like, what do you want? I said, a Jeep. He was like, oh, my God, they cost loads. I said, no, don't worry, I'll get a second-hand one. So I looked on eBay and I bought one within an hour. And, um, was that Matt Collishaw? Yeah, 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 it was. Your ex-husband, yeah. And the next thing I know, I was, like, speaking to the owner who was a DJ and he happened to be out in Belfast. He was like, did you not look where I was based? So I had to fly to Belfast and drive it all the way home, across ferries through the night. Oh, God. So I fell in love with my Jeep. We had a long journey home together from Belfast. A which is actually cow. where my family are from, the Kennedys. I didn't call in on them. Uh, Why not? A bit intense. I, really <laughs> I wouldn't have come back for about a week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my Jeep. So it's still going. That was 2008 when we got divorced. And I just love it to bits. You kind of feel like the outside... Is on the inside, like, you know, it just feels like you're driving around in a bit of Meccano or Lego or something. Air gushing in, like, when it rains outside, it rains inside. <laughs> a blacked-out window's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Not, you know, having to manually wind the windows down is a bit tedious, but and it <laughs> needs a better sound system, but... What's the best music to listen to driving that Jeep? Depends where you're going. I mean, around London, I tend to listen to, like reggae just to keep my kind of 
temper under control because I learned to drive in Naples and they are the most anarchic drivers. I mean, they'll go up on the pavement to get past you and it's just insane and no patience at all. They use their horn constantly, incessantly and I've, I definitely picked that up. So I have to, yeah, reggae. Nice. Yeah. Um, you also have an MBE? I do, somewhere. <laughs> Very cool. Somewhere, somewhere in the cupboard somewhere at in the home. cupboard, stashed away. Um, I read that when you received... Your, the letter um, saying with, with, with that news mm. that you thought your initial reaction was to think that you'd done something wrong. I did, yeah. Well, it comes in a very fancy kind of big stamped envelope with like ER the second and I was like, oh crap, is that HMRC or something? Why is it? Why did you think that? Is that just the way that you always react in the face I of... I didn't know what an MBE was. I didn't know or care. I was like, that was never going to be in my life. And then suddenly I've got this letter summonsing me to Buckingham Palace. What was it like going there? Well, I nearly didn't go because I was like, you know, my Hungarian communist grandfather. I thought, well, he'd be spinning in his grave by me going and getting this horrible colonial award. And I was kind of a bit grossed out by it, the whole thing. But then I, I was chatting to the designers and they were like, oh, go on, you've got to, you've got to be so fun we can have a party and then I was like okay I'll do it for you not oh so it was actually really lovely what did lovely. you wear um so Roxander lent me some bits and Michael Vanderham made me something and lent me some shoes which were a size too big and Buckingham Palace has got really thick pile of carpet and I was sort of tottering around <laughs> they were super high they were really inappropriate shuffling around yeah I look really inappropriate oh and Dolce um lent me this ridiculous kind of gold tiara thing which I swear the Queen clocked as she was giving me my award and she might have looked a bit annoyed. Do you think she was a bit jealous of it? I do. I do. <laughs> How fabulous. It was good. They had to say my name twice because I was in such a daze when it was my turn to, like, come out and do my curtsy and then you have to kind of, like, reverse so you don't turn your back on her, which is really hard in high heels. Especially if they're one size too big. Oh, my God, the whole thing. And I didn't understand a word she said. It was so out-of-body experience. And the orchestra, the, sorry, the string quartet, which had been playing, like, normal classical music, when it was my turn to walk out, started playing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and I was like, oh, what? Over the Rainbow? Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> I was like, of course you would do that. <laughs> Just to spin me out a bit more, I was like, what is happening? Very surreal. Who were the other guests? Were they? Who were the other people being awarded? you know like servicemen and incredible charity work and that's the other thing you as a fashion person you're like what have I actually done to deserve you know here are people with like missing limbs and incredible stories and I've just enjoyed what I've been doing with young talent for all these years it's not really you know is it worth a medal I mean queen let you be the judge of that the queen be the judge of that what's your final thing um it's my favourite film, which I always bang on about, but I do think it is a masterpiece, and it's by the gorgeous David Lynch, who's a hero of our generation, surely. Um, I think Wild at Heart is just incredible, and it's a movie that, when it came out in Bristol at the time, me and my best friend Becky would go and watch in a kind of compulsive way every weekend we, until we knew all the words off by heart and we'd dress up as Lula... And, you know, she'd be Lula and I'd be Salo and and we'd just sort of scream our way through and be drinking in the background. It was just an obsession and still is. And, um, yeah, the characters, the whole referencing of Wizard of Oz, which is a, you know, as a childhood film, really, really struck a chord. Um, 
just some of the lines in it, the Elvis songs. I'm a huge Elvis fan, so it's it's just my film. I love what they wear in it as well. Mm, the snakeskin jacket, yeah. Mm. Her little lacy undies and yeah. So cool. It's very yeah. And the fact that Lynch changed it from the original novel that it's based on so that it would have that ending. Happy ending, so Did he change it? Yeah, he did. So it's that kind of archetypal hero, you know, redeemed and that end sequence when Nicolas Cage realises he's about to lose her. Is that when he runs over the yeah, car bonnets? Because yeah. Galinda, the witch, has just said, don't turn away from love, sailor. She says that to him when he's just been, like, lamped in the face. He's sort of oh, concussed. Okay, so I'm finally getting it. So there's a definite Wizard of Oz yeah. theme coming through here. Is that yes. why you dressed up as Galinda in the first place? I don't know. Was that just a coincidence? They just asked me. Well, I mean, weirdly, I was once called a Vogue writer actually called me fashion fairy godmother and that's stuck every single piece online about you oh, calls boy. you a fairy godmother doesn't that i deliberately didn't mention it thank because you because of that but now it's gone <laughs> but now i know we've gone full circle <laughs> yeah. so i'm hoping we've kind of killed that one yeah <laughs> once and for all okay um and what's next for you for fashion east we are looking at menswear in june we're looking already at september's women's wear we are pitching some summer party projects and, yeah, already working on guest lists for those, actually. And what else? Holiday to Naples. Keep it sticking to your resolution. Yes. Well, nice. it's not a difficult one, is it, really? I let myself off quite lightly this year. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much. It's been great thank talking to you. Thank you ever so you. much for letting me ramble on. Thank not you. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.